organizations will have a, a lot of world procedures that are all qualified um, for, for that specific purpose and they'll have some settings. It's taking you know those qualified world procedures or those world procedures and, and changing the format um, so that it's it's compatible with whatever automation they choose. Kiora, I'm Troy, here as CEO and welcome to Stirring the Pot. Thanks for connecting. If you're new, here's what you can expect. We're going to be talking the tough stuff, the things that keep us metalheads up at night. There are many challenges facing our industry and equally many opinions on how we should tackle them. Stirring the Pot provides a facilitated forum to discuss and challenge these viewpoints. Gilda, I'm Greg and I'm the Innovation and Transformation Architect here at HERA. Today we'll be hearing from Holger Heinzel, HERA's Industry 4 Research Engineer who's speaking with Nathan Larkin, Director of Robotics. Robotics is a New South Wales-based robotics software company leading the charge in the development and uptake of robotic welding processes across the engineering sector. Holger and Nathan will be delving into the details around what's possible with robotic welding, the exciting new developments in this space, and insights on how companies can get started on their robotic welding journey. Nathan, can welding operations be automated and why should fabricators consider automation? Yeah, um, welding can certainly be automated and it's um, not really anything new. Um, so when we consider, say, robotic welding automation, you know, this has been happening in the 60s in terms of what was happening in, in uh, car fabrication. So, yeah, it's it's definitely something that can be automated and something that has been automated for, you know, um, 60 years now. Um, some of the considerations why you might look at automation might be to improve your productivity, um, improve quality and, and say, not necessarily make it better. Uh, you know, human welders can um, can uh, are really good at welding, but, you know, understanding and knowing exactly what, what's happening and where, you know, automation means that you get that um, really, really um, high level of repeatability. And, you know, if you have a, a quality problem somewhere, um, it, it's going to be there everywhere. And so it's easy to track down and know exactly what, what's happening. Um, often we also see here where, where I am in Australia, um, a skilled shortage um, around finding good welders. Um, and so that's often why people end up um, utilising automation for welding is, is they're just not finding the welders um, to be able to get through the work that they have. Uh, and then also looking at a view towards the future, you know, taking making use of the technology that's available um, so that, you know, the company is, is better prepared for the future, starting that, that um, knowledge upskilling now um, with a view that it's, it's something that's going to need to happen um, as we progress and technology gets more advanced. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the, the car industry as an example, but that's mainly spot welding or historically there was spot welding. Um, yes. What other welding processes can be automated? Or is it mainly the spot welding? No, uh, yeah, spot welding is a, a large part of the car industry, but even then, you know, there's, say, door seams are, are MIG welded uh, these days or, or laser welded even. Um, so, yeah, it's it's one of the other processes that can be. So MIG, TIG are, are pretty common and, and spot welding, as, as you mentioned. Um, but now we're sort of seeing that many of the more advanced um, welding processes, like, for example, laser welding, um, require automation because they're just too dangerous to perform manually. Uh, anyway, so um, yeah, most most welding processes that, that can be performed manually can be performed with automation. Mm-hmm. Well, these are all processes or 
application steps that require thin sheet metal? What about the heavier se sections commonly yeah. used in construction? Yeah, no, that, that all can be automated too, definitely. Um, you know, I, I tend to think that with automation, the, the thinner sections are the more challenging in terms of how you jig it. You know, there's a bit more flexibility in it, um, a little more sensitive to process tolerance. So, you know, if your settings aren't exactly right, you can blow through thinner stuff. Um, with the, the, the thicker uh, materials, a lot of those problems um, uh, become not so much of an issue. Um, so certainly um, can be applied in, in heavier, um, heavier fabrications. Um, and then you start looking at things like, you know, multi-pass welding and, and, and things like that, which are all able to be handled with, with the, the latest robots. Okay. We already talk about robots, but in, in general, what kind of options are available? for automating welding processes? Yeah, so um, I'm predominantly involved with robots, so I will probably talk about those a bit uh, in today's podcast. But um, yeah, automation does not just mean robots. So, um, you know, there's tractor systems that you can get for setting up, you know, long straight welds or pipeline welds. It's often commonly used. Um, CNC type machines used for welding. So um, we see a lot of those starting to come out in terms of, uh, using weld processes for, for additive manufacturing, you know, often you can get a CNC machine that will 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 do that. So those types of, like, I guess, gantry robots, you might consider them. Um, that can be used for for automation, and then of course, you know, your, your typical industrial robot. Okay, so talking robotic welding, what are the challenges there? Um, there are many, many challenges, and and you know. Um, moving to robotic welding isn't just a matter of buying a robot and, and getting it going. Um, I think one of the key pitfalls that we often see is that um, organisations who take on that step don't realise how much work their, their human manual welders are doing. You know, what exactly, what are the exact process, processes they are, are doing? And, you know, they're very, very good at welding. Um, they can see what's going on um, and adjust for whatever's there. So. Um, you know, one of the common things we see is is part variability upstream where, say, um, there's a part that has a gap on some parts and, say, less of a gap on, on other parts. Um, as a human's welding that and they notice that some of the bead is, is going and getting sucked in um, under into that, that gap that may exist, you know, that's changing the bead shape and they'll, they'll slow down, for example, to make sure that the result is the same. Um, a robot, unless it's specifically set up to measure that gap and do something about it, um, won't know it exists. Uh, and therefore you'll get different bead shapes and often um, an issue as far as, you know, a, a defect um, because the the um, the weld throat thickness isn't there. Um, so that's one of the, the main issues. The other thing is around, um, you know, extracting the welding knowledge that exists inside the welders and applying it to the automation. So this is things like knowing what speed to operate at, what the process should be, um, and, and say the gun angles, how you would go about getting into corners, getting out of corners, um, you know, should a world be vertical up or vertical down if it needs to be out of position? What's the weave settings that you might need to use in, in that case, um, for example? So um, that's um, that's one of the other challenges is, is gaining that knowledge and then being able to apply it to your automation so it's able to, to do the right thing, do exactly um, what you want it to do. Um, the last thing is sometimes we see uh, processes that are... Uh, um, occur, um, for example, you know, using a a wire that results in a slag that would would get pushed off or cleaned off afterwards. Um, you know, a robot can't handle that. 
typically. Um, so sometimes that can cause an issue um, and it may mean changing to a consumable that doesn't have slag, um, avoiding back gouging processes, etc. Um, so that's the other thing that, that um, can be a, a challenge. Well, it, it's quite a bit to consider there for a manufacturer or a fabricator to adopt robotic welding. How would you go about setting up or changing the process? What's the have you got a or the step by step approach or um, typically use? No, so um, really it's up to uh, the organization to to know. Um, you know, and discuss with their welding engineers or whoever they have, and it might be even reaching out to a group like like Hera to say, we're doing this process, we're looking for something similar that doesn't result in a, you know, we want to change from a flux cord wire to, to a metal cord wire or something like that that will roughly have the same material properties but be more automation friendly. Um, and, you know, my background is in uh, robotics, so I'm not a um, welding expert as far as material properties, etc. But yeah, there's certainly lots of people who know how to how to um, help with that that transition if that needs to occur. Do you, I mean, lots of the, the knowledge is already existing in, in the companies. I mean, most companies do welding operations successfully already and they want to move into automation. Now, would you bring somebody in externally or try to use the the existing knowledge Try to formalize this. And yeah, then, no. Um, certainly, the the uh, existing knowledge that inside an organization, yes, what you say is one hundred percent correct. They already know how to weld. It's taking that information and applying it in a different way. So, you know, effectively, this all needs to be digitized in some way. Whether it's um, you know needs to exist inside the robot program um, to know that this specific weld um, requires this specific process. So, you know, the robot will have to communicate to the the welder and say, I want you to go into this mode um, and then you know, the speed needs to, to be in there, et cetera. And it, it's just taking that knowledge that all exists but but changing the, the format. So often um, uh, organisations will have a, a lot of weld procedures that are all qualified um, for, for their specific purpose and they'll have some settings. It's taking, you know, those qualified weld procedures or those weld procedures and, and changing the format um, so that it's, it's compatible with whatever automation they choose. That that also sounds like it's not only the hardware that you need to bring in and the skill that changes, but the whole process of, of setting up your welds, where the weld procedure is selected and defined changes. Do you see many changes there in how companies operate when they bring in automation or robotic welding? Um, sometimes, I mean, every organization's uh, a little bit different. Certainly, um, you know, I've gone to some organizations where um, a lot of that information really did exist only within their welders. So, um, you know, they, they knew how to do it. They could read the drawing, see it, it specified a, an eight mil fillet and, and knew exactly how to do that. Um, you know, uh, the robot system is a little bit different. You need to exactly specify how you want that to be achieved, you know, what wire feed you want. Um, what speed to run at, et cetera. Um, and, and so in some cases, yes, it, it's a, a, a big, not a big process, but, you know, a more involved process to, to get that out. Um, and then some places have very, very um, well-defined um, uh, procedures to follow and it's very straightforward to just type those numbers into to the robot. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it depends. So 
definition of processes certainly seems to be one of the key aspects in making that jump to automated welding. Cool. You mentioned the accuracy is one of the issues in robotic welding. Your human welder has all these sensors built in. He is adjusting for an, an underweld. He knows where the, the weld seam is. He does the tracking. A robot normally doesn't have this. But what, what tools are available to, to make the robotic welding be adjustable? Yeah, so um, robots, there, there are lots of tools to give robots some of those sensors. Ultimately, they're not going to be able to, to do what a human can do um, in terms of everything, you know, even just uh, hearing, you know, hearing spatter and, and how that's evolving and things like that is something that a, a human world will do and adjust for, you know, seeing the exact world pool, seeing undercut, et cetera, as it happens and adjust for it. So a lot of that um, robots, you know, typically can't do, but yes, it is possible to, to set some of these things up. Um, so the, the tools available. So firstly um, is around sensing. Um, so one of the common things that um, will occur in robot welding is, is say touch sensing to find the start start of the world or find exactly where the, where the world is to say compensate for slight changes um, in how a part is presented to the world. So that involves just setting up the, the welder in a what's called a, a touch sense mode. Um, and it will um, detect continuity or when the when the wire touches the, the part. Um, and then, you know, with some small amount of robot motion, the robot can then move the, the wire towards the part, detect when it's touching the part, um, and then use that current position for where that touch occurred um, to update where the path is um, and, and put the world in the right spot. And that's very common um, in 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 robot welding. So then extending that, um, it doesn't necessarily need to be the, the welding wire. There's a number of sensors that can do that too. So um, there's there's laser sensors that can perform that task um, as well. And they have some advantages. For example, one of the issues that you typically have with, with the wire sensing is that if the wire gets bent for some reason, so say one of the touches didn't quite get detected, um, it's it might bend the wire and then affect all the future touches until you you get that that bend out so you can have a laser that avoids that um, the other thing that happens with that that tactile sensing is sometimes you have an issue where say you have a painted part um, you know you don't get electrical continuity through through some of those paints it, it, there are some some help with that as far as the voltage it runs at etc that, that can help with that but yeah sometimes you can have issues with that whereas if you have you know a laser um, you don't have that issue. It's not actually electrical um, contact. It's, a, it's an optical system. Then extending from that, you know, becomes um, like laser vision system. So where it's uh, like a, a laser line and detects the whole profile. So it can take, say, a whole a, a butt joint or a, a weld prep or a lap joint um, and looking at that whole profile and knowing exactly where to, where the, where to put the weld. Um, and that can be used for, you know, figuring out the start of the seam and then as the weld is occurring, um, you know, tracking um, the robot to, or the automation device to stay within that, that seam. Uh, the other big one that's available across um, robotic systems is, is something called um, through arc seam tracking, uh, depending on uh, which manufacturer you called. So um, it, it's, it's looking at the electrical characteristics of the weld with a small weave. Um, and looking at the change in effective stick out to, to know that, you know, it's favouring one side or the other side and then um, doing some 
um, correction within the robot um, to keep it within the seam. And, and um, that's uh, a technology that's very advanced, been around for a, um, quite a while and, and quite robust um, and able to tra track um, seams. And particularly important if you are doing things like curves um, that, that may not, you know, every curve may not be bent correctly or bent exactly the same and having a robot adapt to, to, to that type of variation. Um, so that's the that's the other thing that, that can be available for that. Uh, plus, there's lots of software tools to to help with things like um, you know, multi-pass welding, for example. Um, with some of those tracking things, you know, a robot can be set up to record uh, the root path and then replay that root path um, with various offsets for multi-pass welding. So, you know, that that compensation that you say may, may be getting through the through arc seam tracking can be applied to all the other seams, um, for example. Um, so yeah, there's lots of lots of tools that uh, exist and are available within the various robot manufacturers to help with all of this. It is amazing what is what is available, but at the same time, that also makes it sound really complicated. What, what do you think for to to start out? Do you need all these systems, or would you say start small, see what works, try a simple system? Um, then... Yeah, I think it really depends on. Um, on everyone's exact situation, you know, sometimes no sensors are required. If 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 you've got a good jig, for example, everything's always presented the exact same way um, to the robot. You know, a lot of these systems um, or, or sensors sensing is is not required, um, and you can simply just have the robot repeat that weld over and over and over again. Um, yeah, so I, I guess it's a matter of um, having a look at the part variation that does exist. Um, knowing what you do want to compensate for or don't want to compensate for, um, and then talking to this, the system integrator who you might be using or the, the, the robot people who will be um, doing the robot sales and support and talking to them about what's available um, to compensate for, for those variances um, and, and, and um, letting them specify um, or helping specify uh, what might be needed. Um, and then certainly, you know, I think groups like Hera can also help out in, in this space too. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I mean, all these these hardware requirements, all the programming, that sounds like a, a long process, long to set up, long to program. Are there any, any tools available to, to do the programming? Um, yes. So there's, there's I, I guess we could take a step back and just talk about programming. Um, Robots, there's, there's two ways to, to program a robot. So when we say program, you know, give the robot the instructions of what it needs to do. Move here, move there, start a weld, move along the weld seam, stop the weld, go home, etc. Um, the most common um, way is, is called online programming where, you know, the, the robot will have a, a teach pendant, you know, a, a controller um, where you press some buttons or move a joystick and drive the robot around to all these points and say, go here, go there, start the weld, move here, etc. Um, and that's by far the, you know, out of the box, what how you'll program the, the robot. Um, mm. And it can take some time. So, um, you know, you imagine sort of trying to drive the robot everywhere without running into what, what's around. So depending on how complex your part is, um, you know, sort of trying to have sub-millimetre accuracy, you know, 0.5 millimetre accuracy and driving it to exactly where the weld seam is, doing that weld seam going out. Uh, and then, you know, if you've got something with 400 weld seams, you can clearly see how it's going to take a lot of time. Um, then added to that, 
you know, if you start to then implement some of those um, sensing um, movements that I spoke about earlier, you know, that's then, you know, a lot more code that needs to go into, um, into uh, the program. So that can then take quite a bit of time. The other process is, is offline programming. So effectively, you're not programming on your actual robot. You're programming on a, on a computer in a simulation environment. Um, and there's various ways of, that that can happen. So all of the uh, main robotic um, manufacturers will have their own software that's very good at simulating exactly how the robot's going to perform and, and quite good at this. Um, but effectively, you're still doing the, the the same process. You know, it's even a lot of them have will have a, a teach pendant that you can click on with a mouse uh, on a screen, a virtual teach pendant to move the robot around. From there, there's then within software more and more tools to help that process and, and more and more levels of automation. So it can be, you know, clicking on an edge to, to create a world team path. It can be, I want to go from here to there and letting the software solve the best way of doing that without running into things, um, et cetera. Um, and, and even with the sensing, um, you know, you can, you can start to do a lot of that within um, the software with the tools. Um, and then through to having software where all of that, say, all of the robot issues or robot decisions that need to be made is completely automatic. So you can just say, um, I want to do this world with this setting and then press go and allowing the computer to figure, figure it out. So there's different levels depending on um, what you want to achieve um, and, and I guess how much time you want to take up doing the programming and, and what makes sense. Mm -hmm. I mean that's also where your your company's uh, your company robotics comes in. You've got a product on the market available for this purpose. Can you tell us a bit about your software? Yeah, so our software fills that offline space. Um, so it's a, a software where you will program a welding robot, an arc welding robot, um, within within your computer. Um, with our software, yes, we've taken the approach to um, offer those tools um, at a, I guess we would say a very advanced level um, where everything is automatic um, as much as possible. So, you know, a computer is making the decision as to what's the best way of getting to the world, um, what's the best parts to, to sense if you're using some of those sensing technologies um, uh, through to, you know, even how to order the world, how to find the worlds, et cetera, in a, a very automatic fashion so that as a as a user as an operator you are not putting so much effort into into creating these programs um, what you need to do within our software is specify uh, the world process so you might say i want this to be an eight millimeter fillet weld i want this to be a six millimeter fillet weld i want to do this vertical up or vertical down etc um, and then the software will really solve everything else to the point where you have a, a program that you can put on your robot um, that is ready to run um, so we've taken the approach of, of, yes, trying to make the tools as automatic as possible so that the human effort is minimised um, and then it's all taken over by um, computers and, you know, our, our own knowledge and best practice that we can kind of take out of our heads and put inside an algorithm within our software. So, so basically you have to do a setup of the robotic welding cell once and then you just chuck a, a you, you upload a, CAD file of your, your part you want to weld? Yes, so um, the setup part of, of the software in terms of um, getting what your robot 
specification looks like, you know, the, the layout. Um, that, that's handled by us, so that's part of the initial sales process. We'll find out a little bit about your robot. Uh, we'll ask you to take some, some measurements of where things are, um, and then we will send you a, a file um, that contains all of that information for our software to know exactly um, where everything, where all the robot is, what type of robot it is, what the geometry is so it won't run into things, um, et cetera. Um, so then, yes, within our software, you'll you'll open it. Um, you'll select which cell you have. If you've got multiple, you'll say, oh, you know, I want to be in robot welding cell one. Um, that will open up. Uh, you'll import your part. So you'll say CAD import um, and then select your, your CAD file. That will go within our software and, and, and place it at the um, at the origin. You can move that around if you need to. Generally, we, we um, isn't too much moving that needs to be done. You then press a button um, and that will analyze the, the part you've put in and know these are where all the worlds should be placed by, by analyzing parts that are close to each other, etc. Um, then you can go through and, and select all the worlds and say, I want this setting or that setting. Um, and when I say this setting or that setting, you know, typically you'll have a library of, of where all that information is contained that we can help you set up as well. Um, you know, this is an eight millimeter fillet. This is a multi-pass world, etc. Um, and then press a button and the software will then work out how the robot needs to, to get in and do the weld, do the sensing uh, without running into things, what's possible to reach, what's not. Even if you've got a, a so sometimes you might have a workpiece positioner to make sure you're doing, say, every, every weld in the downhand position. So calculating for each weld where that needs to be um, so that, um, you know, the robot's welding in the correct position. Um, yeah, all that. You out, outputs a, a program that you load onto your robot and run. Yeah, cool. Hey, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the output. We are running at the moment two pilot projects with your software here and with industry, industry partners. And I'm really looking forward to see how, what the benefits are and how much improvement the offline programming can bring. Yeah, we're very excited to, to, to show what we can do. Awesome. Hey, um, before we wrap up, um, Industry 4 is at the moment a big topic. Um, how does your product fit into the Industry 4 landscape? Um, I guess for me, Industry 4 is about embracing the latest technology. You know, as we go through you know, Industry 2, Industry 3, Industry 4, it's just it's almost a phase of what the technology is like uh, and available uh, at that time. And I think, you know, Industry 4... Um, means a lot of different things depending on what, what you're in, which industry you're in. Um, but for fabrication, I think it's, you know, around digitizing things and then once they're digitized, you know, smart software to do smart things with it. So, for example, our, our software is taking that digitized data and converting it into a, a, a welding program. Um, you know, that's that's sort of where we, we sit with, with all of that. So, um, yeah, it's it's... Like I say, embracing the latest technology and and yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's certainly one one part of automation is one of the cornerstones of Industry Four. Yes, and that's certainly one of the tools to consider for everybody who is trying to innovate um, and, and and reducing the amount of of entry of data. So you have got the the data generated once, like your your CAD file. It's then used throughout the whole production process, and yes, maybe yeah. as a life afterwards where uh, the customer is interested in, in some of that data too. 
Today's conversation certainly shone a spotlight on just how vast the opportunities are within Industry 4.0, and particularly robotic welding. Hera continues to develop and lead a range of initiatives designed to help Hera members assess their Industry 4.0 readiness, as well as optimizing the processes and practices aligned to successful implementation of Industry 4.0 projects. If you are a Hera member and would like to tap into these resources, please get in touch with Holger. His details are in the show notes.